Right, take your Bible, if you will, your copy of the Word of God, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I prayed about what uh, passage to go with. We, of course, uh, I believe the Lord led us to the, the book of Ephesians uh, a few weeks ago, if not a few months ago, in our, in our pattern and studying through the pastoral epistles and now studying through the prison epistles. And after this, I believe we'll be in, in Galatians, so after the prison epistles, that is. Uh, but I thought... Uh, for a couple of weeks, I prayed for a couple of weeks about a, a, a Mother's Day message. I thought about going in the book of Ruth or maybe in the book of Genesis. Uh, I always start with Genesis, really. Uh, but then I thought about maybe in the book of Matthew. But the Lord didn't give me any peace about these things. And, uh, and after much prayer and, and much, much meditation, I believe he, he brought me to this passage again, back to Ephesians. And to be honest, again, in, in the early, early in the week, I was struggling with, I found it, and I got an outline, I got, I got a message, and, but it seemed very academic, uh, seemed very not spirit-filled. Uh, so I prayed throughout the week and, and, and sought the Lord, uh, prayed uh, through Ephesians, prayed through our, the book of Psalms, and I even came over here and, and sat in one of these chairs and after rearranging them like 30 times. Um, uh, and, and then the Lord just gave me this message this morning. And so, again, I hope you're there in the book of Ephesians, New Testament book of Ephesians. Thank you again for choosing to worship with us. I don't I don't take that lightly. I think it's important. Uh, I think church is important. I think the local church is important. Um, but I also think it's very significant that we as individuals choose to come to church. Um, so thank you again for being here. And it's my prayer that today and every day uh, that we meet and every day in general, but every day specifically that we meet in the Lord today that we draw closer to the Lord. It's not just an experience to hear me up here on a, on a soapbox, so to speak. We are here to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to see Him high and lifted up. Uh, we want to walk away knowing that, oh, that was a good, pass, a good message from Pastor Inslee. I, I don't think so. I want, you to, I want you to leave thinking, wow, God is great. The Lord Jesus Christ is amazing. I want, to, I want us all to leave here this morning with a closeness that we didn't come here with. So whether you're here in our upper room, if you will, or watching from the overflow room or wherever you may be, or even online uh, or, or through podcasts or something like that. Let's, I want to take a moment here, uh, just a moment or two, for us to internally evaluate our hearts and us as a people to bow our heads and get a hold of the Lord this morning to make sure that we are all on his page. So let's just let's go to the Lord in prayer for a moment. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for allowing us to be here, Lord. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the cross. Lord, so many things that, uh, that we could just stay here all day long, standing in awe of your greatness and your grace, mentioning over and over how wonderful you are, how wonderful it is to serve the name of Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for who you are. We love you, Lord. And Lord, we want to gather this morning. We want to gather in your name. We want to see you high and lifted up in our hearts. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you help us to evaluate ourselves this morning. Lord, I pray that you search our hearts and show us if there be any wicked way in us. Lord, help us to live a repentant life. Help us to repent of our sins even at this very moment, Lord. To open ourselves to you, Lord, to your spirit so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I'm convinced that we can't worship you with, without a repentant heart. Lord, help us to be a forgiven people, a repentant people. 
And let us see you high and lifted up this morning as we look into your word. Meet with us in a way that, or maybe you've never met with us before. Individually, as families, as, as a church, Lord. Lord, we just beg your presence. We beseech you to come among us. And Lord, and we thank you for it. May you be high and lifted up. In Jesus' name I pray. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just a little bit about Ephesus here. Uh, Ephesus in Paul's day, many of y'all have probably looked into the scriptures and maybe even done some searches online of what, what it was like there in Ephesus. But really it was not much different than any city we have today. Like first century Athens, it was a city wholly given to idolatry. And just to give you an idea, here's some ruins of, of Athens or of uh, Ephesus here. This is actually an old library uh, there in Ephesus, still there today. Uh, and this next picture is a, is a temple to the Temple Diana. This is who they worshipped. Artemis in the, in the Greek there, this is who they worshipped there. And this comparable to the size of the library. I would give you some kind of idea of how important this make-believe goddess was. Again, these are just ruins, but we get an idea of what it was like there at Ephesus. So it's in this environment that Paul writes to the Ephesians, to the believers, to the Christians. And I believe God led Paul because of these things and many other reasons, of course. He's God. Uh, but I believe he led Paul to emphasize some truths to help keep the Ephesian Christians to live with their focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of distractions in, in Ephesus there. And let's face it, there are a lot of distractions in this world today. Even in this little town that we have, or in Parsburg. You know, we, gone are the days where we can just live in little towns. We have the internet, we have news, we have all these things, and all the world is seemingly up, up close and personal. But many things haven't changed in, in that aspect, spiritually speaking. And again, that's, this is the environment, and we have a very similar environment here, that God used Paul to remind them of some very special truths to keep them focused on what's right, to keep them focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe, again, that God led him to emphasize these special truths by use of a central theme, a central truth, if you will, for the entire letter, and that theme is in Christ. In, riches in Christ, rather. The riches in Christ. As you go through the entire book of Ephesians, you will find him always referencing, especially here in the first chapter, the riches found in Jesus Christ. In other words, this letter was written to inform them that the riches in Christ, that they have in Christ as believers, those riches are far better than anything this life can offer us. Far better than anything this life can offer us. And as we can see in verse number one, I want you to read that. Actually, let's just read through a few verses here. Ephesians chapter one, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, 
according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us all in all wisdom and prudence. Let's just pause right there. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Help it to, to bless us and be used in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we can see again right there in verse number one who it is addressed to. The saints. The saints who are at Ephesus and the faithful in Jesus Christ. So this, this month, this, this sermon this morning is a beginning of a month long and maybe longer of sermons specifically in the book of Ephesians, focused on the riches found in Christ. But today, to begin this, we're going to focus on the last two words of that phrase, in Christ, which is the title of today's message, in Christ. This phrase, or, or the like, like in, in Christ, or in Him, or in God, or in the Beloved, it's used more than 30 times throughout the epistle of, uh, to the Ephesians, and at least 13 times here, in the first chapter. So let's look at a few of these this morning. As I was putting this message together, if you remember, I told you that I came over here and, uh, and I believe the Lord started moving on my heart while I was over here, removing these chairs around a lot. And by the time I got back to the house, uh, I believe he gave me a seven point message. So I sat out this morning to write or to deliver a seven point message. And he says, no, you need to shorten that a little bit. So we have three this morning, so I won't keep you too long. But we're going to focus on in Christ. And even if we were to stay here for an eternity, preaching and studying what it means to be in Christ, we cannot exhaust the understanding. We cannot exhaust that meaning. It is inexhaustible to be in Christ, to understand that. But we can glean a few things from the text, from the scriptures this morning. And I want you to look again at verses 1 through 3. Uh, he's an apostle, of course, by the will of God to the saints at Ephesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number three here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. So number one this morning, I want to point out that we are blessed in Christ. We are blessed in Christ. That is a lot. I mean, this really is a comprehensive statement. I mean, just to say that we're blessed in Christ is, is, a, is a loaded phrase. But notice in this verse that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. That in and of itself is a remarkable mention. I think it's important to see that Paul didn't write that he was thankful that he had money, probably because he didn't have much of it. But he, didn't, he wasn't thankful that he had some brand new Birkenstocks on his feet. It didn't matter to him. It didn't. Great cell service. I'm thankful for that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be thankful for those things, but he was thankful. Look at that verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with spiritual blessings, with all spiritual blessings. Again, who is the audience? To the saints. To the saints. Now, it says to the saints and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And you might think that's two different groups, but it's not the same. It's not two different groups. It's the same people. These are two believers. The faithful are those who have professed their faith in Christ, who are now saints made holy in Christ. Made holy in Christ. So the saints in Scripture, if you were to just read through the text and see who they refer to, it's always referring to somebody who is alive and comprehending the text. It's not a reference to an earned sainthood in years gone by. So all Christians, us today, are saints. This is written to us, the faithful in Christ. We are the saints. And while we may be blessed materially, and by the way, we are 
blessed materially. I mean, just in my own, my own life, I'm 48, almost 49 years old. I look back at my childhood and I know there's a big era that's changed. We have computers and phones and all these things. But y'all remember the, what's the first computer you had, Brother Shannon? The Commodore, Commodore 64. I mean, I got more computer power sitting up here right now. I mean, so we've been blessed and we know what it's like to be blessed materially with many things. But as Christians, as faithful saints, our greatest blessings are spiritual. Sometimes I think, I think I even get, many of us get too focused on the temporal. We get focused on the material things. And then with those things, like this morning with my own devices here, they don't seem to work. And we get upset about those things. We get frustrated a little bit. But they're nothing. They're nothing. They will all go away. Remember that verse there in 2 Peter that the whole earth is going to be destroyed with fervent heat and we're going to be standing before God. We're not going to be able to say, hey, look at those things because they're all going to be gone. Only what we do for Christ will matter. We should be thankful for the things we have, yes, and be good stewards of those things, absolutely. But our spiritual blessings are much more important. And even though it's not specifically mentioned here in the text, some of these blessings that we get from God, that we receive from God, come in the forms of gifts, like spiritual gifts, like singing. We already talked about these things, teaching, working with children, mowing the grass. We have these gifts that God's given us. I don't know if I consider that a gift. Maybe you have a gift. I don't have a gift of mowing the grass. <laughs> but God has blessed us with many things, with many spiritual gifts. And many of us spend our time worrying about the temporal even stewarding the temporal while our spiritual blessings are just laying in shambles. They're wasting away. In context here, Paul is emphasizing that we have been greatly blessed, greatly blessed with all spiritual blessings. And quite honestly, this morning, in the life that we live and all these restrictions and a mask and no mask, the vaccines, no vaccines, and I'm not going to condone any, any which way or the other, but we have a greater calling. Our hope transcends anything on this earth. And that should be a motivator. A great motivator to live right and to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it's the love of God we are blessed with or talking about. Whether it's redemption or peace. Strength to overcome. Strength to wear the mask for 30 more seconds. Whatever it may be. To overcome life's battles. We are blessed in Christ with heavenly blessings. Now I realize that I'm up here without a mask. So... <laughs> And I was talking to my wife who, who works on base and she wears a mask all day long. And I sit in my office and, and I type away and I do things around here. And so I don't really experience what you guys experience in the workplace wearing the mask for eight to ten hours a day. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful. But our spiritual blessings are what matters the most. And then notice that our blessings are so great and so sure so sure, I like that. God has, look at that verse now, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In other words, we have not yet began, begun to comprehend what God has already blessed us with. He's given us things in Christ that we have no idea. It takes a walk with the Lord and a, and a close study of the Scriptures to, to get a glimpse of these things. But God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places beyond our comprehension. Go over to Ephesians chapter. Let's see in here. Uh, three, uh, three, 20. Chapter 3, verse 20. 
I love this passage. Actually, start with verse number 19. And to know the love of Christ, chapter 3, verse 20, or 19, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. We can't comprehend the, the blessings, the grace that God has bestowed upon us in this life. The pure in God, the pure in heart. See God moving among us. God has blessed us in heavenly places. You know, like we mentioned a few weeks ago in Romans 8, verse 18 says, The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's not comparable. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 states, I want you to see that, chapter 2, verse 6, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you notice the past tense? He made us, He raised us, and He made us. These things are already gone. He raised us up together and made us sit together with Christ, in Christ. So God, who is outside of time, refers to our position in Christ as already happened. Even seated next to Christ, He raised us and He made us sit together with Him. So according to God, we are already in heaven. We are already with Christ. For those of us who are truly in Christ, get this now, our end state, it's already written. It's already done. What can this world throw at us? And the more I think we comprehend that great truth, the more our perspective in this life will be focused correctly, will be focused on Christ. I'll give you an example here. I had the honor and the privilege of being in the military for a number of years, and even a greater privilege of serving in Hawaii. My wife loved Hawaii. I had to talk her into going to Hawaii, and she cried leaving Hawaii. So it was, it was quite unique. But when we were stationed there, Many people like to visit this thing called the Aloha Stadium. For those of you all been there, you know what I'm talking about. And the reason they like to visit it is because they convert it into a ginormous flea market. Yay. Right? So many times, I think, I truly believe I was coerced and shopping there all day long. <laughs> but knowing that my wife would be happy and I would get some ice cream at the end, it just made it all worthwhile somehow. <laughs> now, I know heaven is certainly better than your favorite ice cream. And life is certainly can get worse sometimes, maybe, than the tribulation of shopping at a flea market. But we have much to be thankful for. More than just that. So I hope, so if you can see that picture there, where I'm going through the aisles and going left and right, but I know there's something great at the end. And that's kind of like how we live this life. God is so much greater than a smile on my wife and on wife's face and, and ice cream at the end, even if it's chocolate. God is greater. These spiritual blessings are greater. We can endure no matter what comes our way, even a flea market. And I get it that it's so natural for us. It really is natural for us to focus on the negative things of life. And the devil knows this. Look at the first attack on humanity. He went to what they couldn't have. We focus so much on the negative, and while these things need our attention, they, they do from time to time, we cannot be consumed by them. Be consumed by Christ. Be constrained by Christ. Because we are indeed blessed in Christ. If you know Him, you know you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And our blessings far outweigh any tribulation in this life. Again, even shopping at a flea market 
far away. And I think it's kind of fitting for this to be our first truth this morning to look at, to be blessed in Christ. Because again, it is a comprehensive statement. To say that we've been blessed is a broad truth that includes so many other blessings, each of which can stand on its own. Friends, we've been blessed. Amen? We've been blessed. Praise the Lord, we've been blessed. But not only have we been blessed in Christ, you know there was a not only coming, we've also been chosen in Christ. We've been chosen in Christ. Look at verse 4. According, let's just put it together with three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. We are chosen in Christ. Chosen in Christ. Now, there is much to be said about being chosen in Christ. And if you're interested... This is my commercial. If you're interested in an in-depth study of this, you'll have to attend our Sunday evening services in June when we talk about soteriology, the study of salvation. But for now, know this. God holds all of time in His hands. He knows the end from the beginning. He is Alpha and Omega. He has no past. God has no past. God has no future. He is the great I Am, always in the present, outside of time. For God... Nothing occurs. Nothing. I always like that saying, has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? I think that's a great saying. Nothing occurs with God. Nothing is yet to come with God. Nothing is in the past with God. Nothing is on His agenda. He don't have some blocks on His pad there where He has to you know, check off some things that have not been done. He don't have one of those. Nothing is on His agenda. He doesn't have a to-do list. He's God. He's in the present. Again, all of time is in his hand. He's outside of it. Incomprehensible. I understand that. He is God. And by the way, if, if, if God were easy to understand, probably wouldn't be God. But we are not God. We live in the present. We have a past. We have a future. The things we do in the present and the past affect our present and our future. They, they just do. And for Paul and for those of him that he was with, look, look there, he says in verse number four, or yeah, verse number four, according as he hath chosen us. So he's making a reference here to himself, us. And then you jump over to verse number 13, we see a transition there. In whom ye also. So we, we are in Christ, but you are also in Christ. We kind of can put that together there. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So Paul and those who were traveling with him were in Christ, already predestined. And then you guys, you, you over there, I'm talking to you Christian Ephesians, you also believed, and then you kind of come with us. You come with us, chosen in us, chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. I think this verse, this truth is phenomenal. Before the world was created, we are chosen. We are chosen. So regardless of where we stand on the issue of free will versus sovereignty, you might be thinking that already. The Bible is clear that if you are in Christ, you are chosen. If you are in Christ, you are chosen in Christ. But let me also say this, and this is important, I think. 
Whether you believe God handpicked you to come to Christ or you yielded to his invocation to eternal life. Eternal life is eternal life. Salvation is salvation. If, if I believe, this is just me now, if I believe that God wooed me and I yielded to that temptation, and Brother Shannon believes that I'm, I'm saved because God chose me to be saved, if we both put our faith in Jesus Christ, He has eternal life, I have eternal life, when it comes to salvation, what does that matter? When it comes to our personal salvation, that does not matter. Amen. And if you have not come to Christ this morning, if there is any desire in your heart, God wants you to come to Christ. Come to Him now. The cross of Christ is for all. Not just for our sins, but for the whole world, John says. For the whole world. It's for all people, even you. The Bible states in Romans 10 and 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trust Christ today. Because, with, again, with respect to your salvation, does it really matter? Does it really matter who compels you to give your life to Christ? It's not, not from God. If some, something or you or God is compelling you to give your life to Christ, that's not, not from God. I know that's not God, good English there, but you understand what I'm saying here. God wants you to be saved. Now, if you are interested in the deeper things of Christ, by all means, study those things out. Study to show yourself approved unto God. But as kind as I know how to say this, don't let ignorance of a deeper doctrine keep you from eternal life. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Don't let ignorance of a deeper doctrine keep you from being all in for the Lord Jesus Christ. Go all in. Give your life to Christ. There are some things that none of us will understand completely. But we can serve God. We can serve God. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Any means anybody. And all means all. That's all all means. And speaking of the cross, there's this saying there. You know, you know the passage there in John where it says, No man can come to me unless the Father draw him. There's this mindset that says the word draw there is, should be translated as dragged against their will. Like nobody can come to Christ unless God the Father drags them against their will to come to Christ. But in John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Speaking of the cross, same word in the Greek, by the way, draw all men. God wants all people to be saved. So we don't have to know all there is to know about God to be chosen in Christ. We must only believe and receive Him as our personal Savior. And it's not that one person is worth any more. One person is chosen, another person is not. That puts the focus on the chosen. Where should our focus be? On the chooser. That's where our focus should be. Let's give God the glory. Because everything good in this life is because of Christ. And there is absolutely no spiritual blessings without Him. The key then is to be in Christ. To be in Christ. Revelation 13 verse 8 says John, or John wrote that Jesus was the Lamb slain when? Before the foundation of the world. Slain before the foundation of the world. Again, the key is to be in Christ. The only way that we can be chosen before the foundation of the world is for the Lamb to be slain before the foundation of the world. Again, the key is in Christ. He alone is the promised one. I hope that sinks in really, really clear. Jesus is the promised one. We must be in Him. 
That's how we get eternal life. That's how we get redemption and forgiveness of sin. We must be in Christ. There is no scenario where we get to heaven not being in Christ. Galatians 3.16 says Abraham, uh, states that Abraham to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So the promise of redemption was not to seeds as of many, but to one, which is in Christ. And because salvation is only by grace through faith, when we believe in the promises of God in Christ, Galatians 3.26 says that we are the children of God by faith. By faith. Nothing in this life occurs without our faith. We must exercise faith. The just shall live by faith. God's grace runs on the rails of faith. We need faith in this life. We need faith. Are Christians uh, chosen in Christ? Absolutely. Yes. We are chosen according to the good pleasure of His will. But we are only in Christ by grace through faith. There is a responsibility here. The question is, are you chosen? Are you chosen? You can be. Have you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation? Which leads right into the next few verses here. Look at verses 7 and 8. So he says in verse 4, talking about how we are chosen, being predestinated to the adoption of, his, uh, of Jesus, adoption of children by Jesus Christ in verse 5, verse 6, to the praise of his glory, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. So we've been blessed in Christ, we've been chosen in Christ, and we are redeemed in Christ. This is my favorite subject, or my favorite point this morning. To redeem means to buy back. To buy back. Y'all see those, my wife, what's those things you call Groupons? I guess that's kind of like a, re a redemption thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in, in the States you see those things that it's worth five cents in New Hampshire. I don't live in New Hampshire. I don't know why is it on there. I don't know. But anyway, so that's kind of redeem you uh, to, to exchange one thing for another. We get the idea of a barter system here where one thing of value is traded for another thing of value. And for this to work, very clearly here, what is traded in must be equal to greater or greater to than what is traded out. Right? That's kind of how the barter system works. $5 traded in results in $5 worth of merchandise or 5 euros and back and forth. Uh, when it comes to our redemption, however, Jesus was the value with a capital V traded in so that we could be that little V value traded out. We were, we used to be enslaved and shackled, if you will, to sin. And we traded places with Christ. He took our place. He literally became man so that he can become our sin. 1 Corinthians 5 or 2 Corinthians 5:21 states for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Well, I, that that boggles my mind. Think about that for a moment. God the Father made his sinless son sin for you and me. He took on the sin. He he put the shackles on if you will. And by becoming sin, he traded the glories of heaven for our shackles of sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. So when we by faith accept this trade in in Christ, we receive redemption. We receive eternal life, and those shackles that were on us 
are placed on Christ. That's the cross. That's the payment of death and sin and all those things. But praise God, they couldn't hold him. The shackles that would hold us forever, he broke free because they cannot hold him. Acts 2.24 says, God hath raised him up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. He conquered death. It would take us eternity to a conquered death. But he did it. Praise God, he did it. Christians, we have redemption in Christ. A redemption like no other Again, what would take us eternity to pay, he conquered through the cross, through the grave, and through the resurrection. Remember again in Ephesians, one of the central themes in this book is that of our riches in Christ. So in our application thus far, how can the world compare to the riches found in Christ just talking about our redemption? Paul begins this letter, if you will, with a special emphasis on riches. I mean, this whole chapter, it's one after another. And if we could compare his technique to a boxing match, right? So it's like he's in the corner. Paul's there. He's got grace and truth coming out. Now, we're not trying to get beat up here. But he's coming out and he's going over and over. These 13, 14 truths over and over. And you think about these, these truths as he's coming out of the corner there. When he's very effective and those punches are landing, if you will. What are we focused on receiving? Everything that he's delivering. Just like a, the defending boxer would be in there focusing on all those blows, if you will. And that, I think that's what Paul's emphasis here. That's his technique here. He's coming out of the gate strong and hard, as fast as he can, swinging, if you will, with all these truths. He bombarded us with the riches of Christ over and over and over again. What was, you, what was that you told me yesterday, Tyler? Uh, the whole chapter is like one run-on run on sentence there from Paul with a big exclamation point at the bottom. Praise the Lord. And these riches, many riches we see here, the blessings in Christ, the spiritual blessings God has blessed us with in heavenly places, along with the fact that we are chosen in Christ, all of these things, all of the blessings, all of the things that we, thought we talk about, they are based on our redemption in Christ. All of them. All based in our redemption. You know, everything about Christ is worth our complete allegiance. It's worth our complete attention. But when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to the concept of redemption, the thought that a perfect creator would be born into humanity just so, just so he can experience death to pay for my sins, it's incomprehensible. It's mind-boggling. Hebrews 2.9 states that he was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Friends, if you know Christ and that First doesn't just pierce your heart. I don't know what will. Our Creator was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. You know, He would have never died if it weren't for us, for our sin. Crowned with glory and honor that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Every man. Friends, He came to die. I don't think I'll ever get my, my head, my mind fully around redemption. But that's what it is. He came to die. Just like the words of that old 1953 hymn. When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die. You know the rest of the next verse? I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my son. How great thou art. How great he truly is. Verse 7, back in our text here, states that we have redemption through His blood. 
And quite frankly, there is no version. There is no scenario that results with us being in Christ with any spiritual blessing without the shedding of the Lord's blood on the cross of Calvary. All of it is based on our redemption. That is the crux of the matter. It all is based on the cross and our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible states that in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it wasn't that Jesus made a way for us to find eternal life. It wasn't a way for us to find forgiveness. He is the way. And the cross is not just an option for us to reach eternity, to reach God the Father. We need redemption and He is the only way to redemption. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Three chapters later in Romans, Paul says the sin, the punishment for that sin is eternal death, separation from God. So it's only through the blood of Christ that we receive complete forgiveness for our sins. And we all need to be redeemed because we all have sinned. Every one of us. Every one of us. None of us. It's not like Bugs Bunny where you get to heaven. You had those two little, those little scales there. My good outweighs my bad. All of that is gone. It's trash. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you were here for the entire three years of your tour here and you move back to the States, remember this. Only salvation comes only by the blood of Jesus Christ. No other way, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Only through the cross of Christ can you get into heaven. It's paid for. It's not a maybe salvation. It's an all the way salvation for your past sins, your present sins. It's all under the blood. Accept it. It's all Jesus Christ. Paul wrote that we have redemption in Christ through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sins through His blood. Both of which, as we see in this text here, are according to the riches of His grace. I think that's great. To the riches of His grace. Redemption and forgiveness of sins is according to the riches of God's grace. In other words, it's like our sins. Go back to that scale a little bit. It's our sins versus God's grace. That's what the real scale is. Our sins versus God's grace. And the only way for us to be irredeemable is for our sins to be greater than God's grace. That is the only way. And while our sin is, in fact, exceedingly sinful, it's wicked. As a matter of fact, the more we see how great God is, the more we see how wicked our sins are. But our sin does not compare to His grace. Praise God. The Bible states in Romans 5 that our sin is great and growing, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Praise the Lord. So as we live our lives in these crazy times that we live in, never forget the riches that we have in Christ. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. As Christians, our instinct is so sure that we were in Christ before the foundation of the world, and we were already seated in Christ post foundation of the world, both of which are incumbent upon our redemption in Christ. Make sure you're redeemed this morning. Make sure you are redeemed. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Please don't leave here today without knowing for sure that you have a home in heaven. Are you in Christ? It's not joining the church. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not reading your Bible every day. It's not even going to church seven days a week. It's not being a good person. It's all trusting in the blood. Please trust Christ. And as we go through our lives again, when we shine our lights in our modern day Ephesus, remember that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared 
with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We who are in Christ are already forever in Christ. Let's pray.